Welcome to Two Pastors, Take a Walk and Make a Podcast. This is Yolando, and as always, we're talking about what is astonishing us, what we're thinking about, and what we're preaching. And I am excited, because normally I am the one with all of the feelings before we start this podcast. I got stuff on my mind today. Yolando Hinton came with notes to talk about <laughs> what is astonishing him and what he's thinking about. They're the he same, yes. big feelings, Listen, so you should start. I am just captivated by this whole Kanye West Sunday service thing. I don't even know what to call it. And for those who are not aware of Kanye West, he is a hip-hop artist out of Chicago. He is famous for um, interrupting Taylor Swift at the VMAs. Um, Taylor, I'm going to let you finish. Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time, that Kanye West. Uh, he's also famous for being married to Kim Kardashian, but mostly he's famous for being a really talented musician. Anyway, earlier this year, he's... And he's famous for putting on a MAGA hat and well, that doing too. a lot with, with Trump. That's and, more infamous. And well. he's famous for saying 400 years of slavery, that sounds like a choice. And yes. many people think that he has some sort of... Issues, mental illness, like clinical yes. mental illness. Like many people look at him and say he's often makes headlines and is filmed during his mania phases, and that he maybe is not receiving treatment. And that's part of I think a big trope in Western civilization, which is that artists have to be not well mm -hmm. or or disturbed or mm -hmm. mentally ill in order to create great art. And so sometimes that encourages creative people to not seek yeah. wellness and wholeness yeah. because they think if they are well, they won't be able to be geniuses. Mm -hmm. And and almost everyone believes that he's a genius. Well, I mean, I, I know people say that I don't, but okay. sorry. Anyway, so go on. So earlier this year, he started what he calls Sunday services, basically out in Los Angeles. He gathered his family, his friends, some musicians, some singers, and they would have a good time singing inspirational songs. Great, fine, wonderful, beautiful. My problem is that his, quote, Sunday services have now moved into actual churches. Um, recently, um, Kanye West held one of his Sunday services at New Birth Church in Atlanta, and I'm, I'm really conflicted. I, I feel some kind of way about it. At first I thought, okay, it's just, it's just a California thing. I'm just going to ignore it. And I really did not plan to talk about it and, or give it much attention. But now that it has moved into a church, or church is, because I think they're going around the country, because um, I think next or before they were in Chicago as well, I just feel compelled to talk about it because I think it's, it's problematic before I go there, let me first say what I think is good about it, because I, I do think there, there are some helpful things. Number one, the music is really good. He has a reputation for excellence, and I have to say, I, I watched uh, the service, the, the Sunday service at New Birth, and the music is pretty phenomenal. Number two, 
it is highly celebratory. And I think as a mainline Protestant pastor, many of our churches need to learn how to celebrate. Agreed, right? agreed. Um, another thing that I think is really good about it is that he's seeking to help people have an experience that touches the heart, which is another thing mainline churches yep. need to get better at. And uh, finally, I think um, this Sunday service movement is in this digital online culture that we have is bringing people together. There's this there's community that's happening. In uh, physical space. In, in physical yeah. space, yes. And that also is a beautiful thing. I, I celebrate all of those things. My problem is that, number one, there is no sermon. And I had to check myself. It's like, am I saying that just because I am a preacher? Or what, what's happening in me? And I got past, you know, I'm, I'm a preacher and that's what I do. But we believe that worship is centered around the word. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the word that prevents us from worshiping worship or worshiping experience or worshiping um, a, a pastor, worshiping our church, worshiping our feelings. It's the word that keeps us centered, focused on Jesus. So that's one problem I have. Another problem is because of Kanye's celebrity and ego, frankly, I'm very concerned that he can... He could be kind of a Pied Piper, leading Christians to an unhealthy spiritual place. Um, And he is, even when he's on the platform, not doing anything, just standing there, there's something captivating about him. Well, he has charisma, and that's a spiritual gift. great charisma, yes. Uh, Also, I I just reject... Celebrity culture, celebrity worship, celebrity idolizing. There's there's not a celebrity that I can think of that I would just fall over myself to meet and to be around. And so I just, I'm wondering how much of this is simply Kanye's leading this. And so we want to, it's not about Jesus, it's about him, right? Yeah, sure. Um, And so I have these verses in my head like, First um, John, um, do not believe every spirit, test the spirits, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Or Matthew 24, Jesus says, um, uh, keep watch, don't let anyone deceive you, because many will come in my name. So I'm very concerned that this is kind of a, a spiritual okey-doke that's happening to the church. Um, I was fine when it was out in California, not so fine that it's it's in churches, but I'm not yet ready to say this is totally a bad thing. Because part of what I see in it is um, these celebrities, because celebrities are also showing up for this thing. And I get, if, if I try to put myself in the shoes of a celebrity, how difficult it would be to just show up in a regular church, right? So I was pastoring a church years ago here in Charlotte, and um, 
our congressperson came to worship that Sunday. Mm-hmm. Holy cow. People went, I got about, this was in the days when the choir sat behind me. I probably got five or six notes from choir members saying, so-and-so is here and you need to recognize them. Mm-hmm. Right? I was like, no, I'm not doing that. I can only imagine if you are a worldwide known celebrity and you just show up in a church, all the attention is going to be on you. Uh, okay. Uh, so I get celebrities wanting to move past yoga and aromatherapy for their spiritual life and that this is a draw. And so if I'm going to be generous about these Sunday services, then I would land in the place of saying this might be the work of the Spirit. However, it's very immature and it could turn into a golden calf. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think several things. Um, one thing is, I mean, you and I both know that we don't own Jesus, and so, yes. you know, the Spirit will go where it goes, and we, you know, we have to be aware that just because something surprises us or shocks us or offends us, that doesn't mean that God's not in it. Also, we know that, you know, the devil shows up quoting scripture and that, Absolutely. you know, the gospel is power and that, um, you know, that we were saying on the walk that, you know, there's a reason that every, every recording artist eventually will release a Christmas album because <laughs> even if it's not great quality music, it's over the years, it's going to get a ton of play because there's just space you got to fill. And so I, I think the same we were saying is happening with you know, major recording album artists and gospel albums, mm-hmm. because even if it's not your your first thing, it's going to get a lot of notice, a lot of attention. And I do think that, you know, we live in a cultural moment where we just, we idolize celebrity period mm-hmm. and we're susceptible to that in the church. And so, you know, it makes sense that leaders of mega churches would say, well, yeah, let's bring Kanye in because Kanye is going to bring people in. And then once people are in, we hope that we can, you know, you know, it's the attractional sure. model mm-hmm. of evangelism. But I mean, I do think you're, you know, we have to be careful. I mean, I'm a fundamental believer in the way we do things matter. Absolutely. And we're not really countering the culture if we're reinforcing the narrative that some people's lives are just more special than most people's lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the message of the gospel is that, you know, there, there is a person at the center of mm-hmm. each one of our worship services, mm-hmm. and that person is Jesus. And the scandal of the incarnation is that we all have equal access and equal importance yes. in the eyes of Jesus, and that God, you know, wasn't content to stay up and be, you know, worshipped mm-hmm. from afar, but came to dwell among us. And we tend to despise what is available to all people, and we tend to despise what is close to us in our lives. And so, you know, there's a it's just important that we're aware that if we're if we're using if we're compromising the gospel to draw people to the gospel, then there's no, you know, there's no point to that. And but I also don't think it's too terribly different than, you know, tall steeple churches casting around and saying, who's the next thought leader that we can bring in Mm. for the 400th anniversary of our church's founding or that, you know, this, you know, we are all susceptible to who can we bring in from the outside that can kind of razzle dazzle and titillate people and tickle their ears so that they'll listen to the gospel again. And I just, I think that's a problem. I mean, I think the, one of the 
beautiful and transformative and really unbelievable things about the gospel is this um, concrete um, reality that God is at work on the ground locally in our congregations. And there's nothing more sacred happening out there, up there, than is happening down here, in Mm -hmm. here. And Mm -hmm. so to say to our congregations, you know, we can write music in our congregations and we can pray about innovative things that we can do in worship, that the Holy Spirit is here creating new life and doing astonishing things. And so I I think, you know, when we bring in people from the outside just because they have a certain level of reputation, I, I think that's really, I think that's really damaging. I was just reading an article on modern celebrity and you know that people now are famous for being famous and and famous really quickly and the idea that reality itself has turned into a show into a performance and the quote that really stuck out to me is that in these days celebrity is the people who want to be special and people who want to watch them try and I think the counter gospel message to that is because God Almighty has come down to dwell among us, not just back in the moment that Jesus of Nazareth Nazareth was born from Mary, but in the lives of every person who opens their heart to receive the spirit of Jesus in your heart, then the the counter narrative of the gospel is you are special. Your life is consecrated. Amazing things are happening. Not necessarily things that the culture would recognize as amazing, but kingdom of God is happening in your life. Do you have eyes to see it, ears to hear it? Uh, You know, uh, 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 you know, do you have a transformed and renewed mind to appreciate that? And that's where like Kanye that, I mean, great, not threatened by him, not mad at him, but but everybody in my congregation is a mm-hmm. Kanye, right? And I mean, everyone is one is is one in whom God dwells, and every life has this sacred worth and is worth paying attention to, and is an honor to know. And we can expect outbreakings of the Holy Spirit in incredibly generative ways in in every life in our congregation. And the real scandal of the gospel is to say. The lives that are discounted or overlooked in the current cultural moment, these are particularly holy lives to us that we pay attention to. And that's, you know, that's a counter narrative that I think gets obscured when we say, oh, Kanye's in town and is in our sanctuary, so yeah. now our yeah. worship is relevant. Because it just yeah. reinforces the, the, the system that's passing away. Yeah, that reminds me that in the video for... Um the service at New Birth, most of the people had their cameras out (laughs) filming Kanye as if to say the most important stuff was going on on the stage and not in their own hearts. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. Sorry, the phone rang. I had to make that guy stop talking. (laughs) You're going to cut all this out, so it's fine. (laughs) No, you're not. So, do you have a final word on Kanye and the Sunday service? I mean, because that's a big page. Friends, he yeah. typed out notes, which I, I love. Wo- you were wo- thinking about this. I woke this. up at 3 o'clock this morning with this on my mind, and I could not go back to sleep, and so I just started typing. When I listen to my friends who are in the Pentecostal charismatic wing of the body of Christ, for them, they are sharply split. It is either 
a move of God or this is the devil. And there's really no in-between for them. And for me, at this point, the jury is still out. That I'd... this could go, th this could be something that, that, that benefits the body, or this could get real dangerous real fast. I mean, I just think... I have a little bit of a vulnerability hangover mm -hmm. from last week, so I will just... What's interesting to me is how deeply this affects you. I mean, like, like why yeah. of all the, yeah. you know, crazy, interesting, astonishing things happening in the world, why is this one waking you up at three in the morning? I, that is a great question, and I hadn't thought about it until just now. I think it's because I am particularly sensitive to people being misled because I have felt misled. I have been deceived. I have believed. I have followed wrong groups. Mm -hmm. And in that awakening, um, part of my deepest spiritual DNA is that I want people to know the truth. I think the truth is powerful. The truth is freeing. And when, when I sense deception, there's a there's a, um, a protective kind of energy that comes out in me. I, I I want to protect people from that, and so I I smell danger here, mm -hmm. and so yeah that 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 gets to me. Yeah, I mean I I think it's just interesting, especially the moment the idea that there's no preaching moment because I think that the real danger is the gospel is not intuitive and mm -hmm. the gospel is not something that people are likely to figure out on their own that we need to share it with one another and renew our minds in it so that people can just ha be, have sober discernment about what's happening yeah. so that I mean whatever is happening in anybody's Sunday service whether it's you know right doctrine or not is not a threat to us if we know you know, if we know the truth and can, can on our own, not needing our pastors to tell us or whoever, but just, you know, can say, well, here's just as you did, like, here's what's good about this. And here's yeah. what's dangerous about this. And, um, here's how this is just a sign of the times. And, mm -hmm. and then here's mm -hmm. how we respond to it as, because I think the, the real danger is if you don't, if you have the gospel, then you can gather for Sunday worship and it can be this wonderful celebratory abundant life moment. And then you carry that out with you yes. throughout your whole life. And you are your salt and your light. And if you don't have the gospel, then you are, I mean, as whatever Albert Moses's mm -hmm. illustration about the guy who, who ran out of power in his house. And so he just rigged ran a bunch of extension cords, cords yes. to plug it into his yes. neighbor's house. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that is the danger of yeah. a moment like that is that you can come into the space and say like, Oh, this is real. And I feel more alive than I've ever felt before. And then yeah. the entourage leaves and you're just like, well, how do I you know, and we end up following people like, like deadheads or mm -hmm. fish, you know, mm -hmm. that's not how yeah. we were created mm -hmm. to live, that, that we were created to have outposts of the kingdom of God full of vitality and yeah. integrity and life changing, mm -hmm. you know, spiritual transformations in every community yeah. that gathers in the name of Jesus. And that's, you know, th that's what we're called to. So yeah, that's good. Well, mm -hmm. I'm sure I'm going to have more to say about this as this whole Sunday service thing evolves because I don't think it's going away anytime soon. Well, I don't know. I mean, the reality is, 
I mean, as we were saying on the walk, that one aspect of the culture is that it is, hmm. it's always seeking the next new thing. And so, you know, it will be interesting to me if, if it doesn't yeah. fade yeah. quickly, you know, yeah. if nothing else, because not to speculate on anybody's sincerity, but I mean, this is not going to build the brand for long. And so, well. <laughs> um, anyway. So, okay, enough of Kanye. What is astonishing you? Well, on Sunday, we were really, really privileged and honored um, to have Dorothy Counts Scoggins worship with us. Oh. We had invited her in on the Sunday that we do a blessing of the backpack for our kids, and she was ill and couldn't come. And so she's here now, thanks to... Um, some members in our congregation who are longtime friends of hers, um, who, who invited her. And, um, and so she did a, um, a moment in worship for the children. That was really beautiful. Oh, wow. That's um, fantastic. That actually, yeah. Um, the, the member of our church, Justin actually sort of interviewed her and it did this really beautiful, wise thing, sort of told this, you know, asked her questions so that she could tell the story of who she was to the kids, which mm. she is um, one of the four students who integrated the public schools in Charlotte. So what Justin did that I think was really brilliant was he showed pictures of um, a more recent event. There was a Girl Scout troop who, as part of their troop activities, learned the story um, of that day and these girls were students at Irwin Elementary School and they went oh, to their principal good. and they said we want you know saw those same pictures and they said we want to redo that day yeah. and they got all the students in the school um, to make you know signs welcoming her and a big crowd and wow. um, and there's all these so up on our screens was this you know that picture of her on that day all those years ago and then pictures of you know full color of her surrounded by children today with signs of people welcoming her and it's just and That's he was fantastic. saying to them like you know she was not much older than you mm. when god called her to do this incredibly prophetic and difficult thing mm. and these you know young people who really created this healing moment mm. of of reconciliation restoration yeah. um they're not older than you and just to say to children like you're not someday going to be mm. a part of this story that god is writing in our community you're a part of the story right, right now. now and this was really powerful um and then afterwards she stayed um during you know we have our christian education time on sundays after worship and instead of before and so she stayed for our second hour which we did with children and adults and um and just had sort of a more in-depth conversation. People could ask her questions. And um, what I had not realized before that was really astonishing and really encouraging to me um, is that I, I did not know that she was only able to stay at the school four days mm. um, because the principal at that school really wanted, um, you know, did not want it to work. Um, and so he did not do anything to keep her safe. He, he wow. saw teachers and students, you know, he saw that teachers ignoring her and wouldn't call on her and students were physically assaulting her and he did not intervene. And it got to a point where they, you know, they were spitting in her food in the lunchroom and she would then have a brother come and pick her up for lunch. And he was waiting out front and they, you know, were throwing bricks at his car. And I mean, just was very dangerous and mm. she was not safe. And, um, they made, you know, what I think was, absolutely the right decision to say you know we're not gonna let our daughter be martyred sure for yeah. um this and so she had to leave after four days and um 
And I think for me, and this is tricky to say because I'm in no way equating anything in my life with with that moment mm. and with her prophetic choices, but you know, it's helpful for me to realize the power and the significant significance of her faithfulness, mm. even though I know that when they were planning and imagining what was going to happen, you know, the hope wasn't, oh, I hope she can make it for four days and then have to go to a boarding school out of right. state to graduate. Yeah. You know, that was not yeah. what was supposed to happen. And I think in the living it out, you know, it must have felt like a failure or like, yeah. why did I even do this? Like, why did I have to endure this kind of emotional pain and humiliation? And at the end, you know, all of those people were just reinforced mm-hmm. in in their ideology and in their methods right it worked mm-hmm. um but the reality is you know in the in from a kingdom view it did matter and yeah. an amazing fruit has been born from her faithfulness you know over the generations and and you know because so i think it's just helpful when we do work that is often just not like it's not a movie script right and you just go the way we planned no and it doesn't happen at the rate that we think it should and we don't see the fruit that we think we should see. And it's just tempting to, to think like, well, you know, that was a waste or that was a failure or I just feel stupid or why am I not kind of working with the systems yeah. instead of trying to oppose them in ways that just make me miserable and end up looking like a fool. And I, I just, it was really encouraging to look at somebody. And, you know, she has had a lifetime of advocacy, right? I mean, it's certainly it is those moments were not, you know, the most generative in her life that was the beginning of a lifetime of of good, fruitful work that we all benefit from. And, and frankly, that's endangered in this moment, but that's another conversation. But it's just astonishing for me to look at that and say, you know, if you had stopped in the middle of the story, you, you would have drawn the wrong conclusion about the holy power of that prophetic moment. And, and that's deeply encouraging to me um and i'm I'm trying to think of how you know i actually started to write her a letter and i was like i just i can't (laughs) i don't know how to say this in a way that conveys um just you know how i how grateful i am for her um but that is what is astonishing me yeah we have this theology of seed planting Mm -hmm. right that that great metaphor given to us in the scriptures but we really do kind of expect microwave results, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, I know some farm- farmers, seed planting is hard work, and then you wait, mm-hmm. right? And you keep doing and, the work. Yes, in some years, you can do the exact same work as you did before, and that year, the crop, it just doesn't, because of the yeah. weather or something, you just don't get the same harvest and you can think it's easy to think, okay, this was a total waste. Well, and I think the reality is I, you know, I really like, um, father Greg Boyle and he came to Charlotte recently and he, um, is a Catholic Jesuit priest who's, um, was really faithful in, a um, the Dolores mission community in LA, which was sort of when he began working there, had the highest gang, um, per capita activity mm. in the city. And, you know, he's had a, decades of ministry in this community and had seasons where he he says you know i did the the wrong thing and it was not fruitful and then you know had his own spiritual transformation and now has this very visibly fruitful 
incredible ministry, just based on his fidelity to the gospel of saying, my work is to announce to people their belovedness um, because of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And, and, and not to fix people, not to save people, but just to, you know, and he, and it was interesting, he was here in Charlotte and um, an activist who I really admire in Charlotte, Gemini Ladare, who does a lot of work, um, Project Bold, with um, helping, you know, uh, advocating for formerly incarcerated people to be, um, you know, reintegrated and, and given the, the justice that mm -hmm. they deserve. Many anyway, and and Gemini Ladare asked Father Greg a question about, you know, you have all this notoriety, but. You know, some of us are on the ground doing this work here and now, and we just don't like no one sees us, no one celebrates us, no one values us, and and it was just a very vulnerable, poignant mm -hmm. question. And what Father Greg said to him, having had his own decades of, you know, invisibility and mm -hmm. hiddenness, and he said, you know, you you have to love the work, you have yes. to love the work, mm -hmm. and not the results. And to me, I would say, like, you have to love the way of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. And that is. A gift of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a, you know, we can't love it unless the Holy Spirit has given us the capacity, the mm -hmm. spiritual maturity to love it, to just to say there is a worthiness mm -hmm. in following in the footsteps of the Lord and of the prophets. And, uh, you know, th there's just an innate um, dignity and honor and worthiness of that, regardless of, of when or if we ever see the visible fruits of that in this life. It, it is the Absolutely. way of Jesus, and it is the way that leads to life, and we have to discover that it's worth it. But we never can discover that it's worth it unless we start living it. Mm -hmm. And if we take shortcuts to get results, then we'll never discover it yeah. either. So that, yeah. um, anyways, I'm thinking all that. Anyway, it was, a, it was really wonderful um, to be with her and... Um, Wow. Any any video online or anything that people can check out? Um, oh, no, we did Well, I mean, the Facebook Live of the church service is always yeah. up, so people can search for that and watch it and it's um and it's it, it is not a high-quality production, but it is there. Okay. And it, and it was a really powerful moment. We did not we probably should have recorded the second hour um, conversations, although those were really intense, uncomfortable conversations mm. um within um the congregation because you know we have white and black members of our community who experience this history and this story very differently and yeah. so actually it would not have been appropriate to film mm. that but it was really <laughs> um, but it was really powerful it was really generous um anyway so i'm wow. i'm grateful for it so so what are you thinking about um well, last week I was really happy to go to um, a church and culture conference at Mecklenburg um, Church yes. here, um, and it a lot to think about. And I will just say, what was really helpful for me was that the major takeaway of the whole day was Mecklenburg um, is a is a huge church um, in the Charlotte region, mm -hmm. um, and they in August they had lots of campuses. And in August, even though their satellite campuses were all growing and thriving, um, they made the decision to shut all of them. They closed all of their satellite campuses and moved everyone back to the main 
church, which is on the edge of Huntersville, Charlotte line. And it's a surprising move. It's a really surprising move. And, you know, their mission, and I appreciate this, their mission is um, to be a church for the unchurched. Mm-hmm. So they are not trying to find necessarily the people who are looking for a church and convince mm-hmm. them, those people, that their church is the best. They were really trying to, they're trying to evangelize mm-hmm. um, and reach people who are, you know, in their own view, far from God. And what they have, what the main takeaway that I really appreciated is he said, look, um, it used to be that one of the barriers preventing people from encountering Jesus was physical distance. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there was a a worship service that was quite effective at, at, uh, you know, introducing people to Jesus or connecting people to Jesus, if that was more than 20 minutes from a person's home, they were not going to go there. Um, And so satellite campuses, just the huge outlay of expenses to have a brick and mortar Mm -hmm. satellite campus really made sense because if we, we thought that if we could lessen that physical barrier, we could connect with people. And he said, you know, for a while that really worked. It worked. But he said, you know, his whole premise of the day was we have to really understand how significant the digital revolution that we're in right now is. Mm -hmm. Um, And just wake up to the truth that people do not see, people who are seeking do not seek by going to a physical place and trying out a worship service. Now, de-churched or formerly churched, they might, Mm -hmm. but people who really are just exploring the Mm -hmm. idea of Jesus for the first time, they are going to do that exploration the way they do everything Everything. else, which is through their phone. That's right. And so he said, you know, we don't have physical campuses anymore because it did not justify the expense and the resources when the reality is we are going to reach unchurched people through our digital campus. Mm-hmm. And we need to put the same level of resourcing into our digital presence that we used to put in our physical presence. And that really um, resonated, resonated with me, you know, that I just, I've always said to people um, that, you know, the website is the front porch of the church. Mm-hmm. Um, the website is really not for members. It's just not, it's mm-hmm. not for members. It is for people who are looking for it, who have heard about you. And the first thing mm-hmm. they're going to do is just pull up the website. That's they're right. going to pull it up on their phones mm-hmm. and it needs to tell a story and it needs to intrigue people. And that's why, you know, I, I feel bad because we, you know, technology is, is hard and it, it is a lot less expensive than it used to be, but it's a. It takes a lot of time to figure things out, especially when you can't just, you know, snap your fingers and hire right. someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it's difficult because again, people inside the church don't need it, and so it's difficult to sort of say to people, "We need to do this," because frankly, as the pastor, oftentimes. The, the danger is it feels like you're saying like, oh, everyone needs to discover my sermons yes. or everyone, you know, it yes. feels like an ego trip. Yes. And it was really helpful mm-hmm. to have him articulate to say, look, people are going to take that first vulnerable step in as safe a place as possible. And that is digitally. And so I've been pushing to, you know, upgrade our website and pushing to, you know, make our sermon podcast, you know, get that to be a, a, a regular, just a system that just kind of happens. And, and, it, and there's been some resistance because people frankly think like, why we don't need this, we don't but need it's it. not, but it's not for us. Mm-hmm. And we need mm-hmm. to know that. And the other things that he was saying that's really helpful is that like, because what people are looking for, and it's ironic to have this conversation in light of where we started with mm-hmm. Kanye, but like people who are really seeking, are, are, they're seeking real authentic yeah. 
I mean, they're saying, is it possible for this to be a part of my actual ordinary mm -hmm. life? And so what we need to produce doesn't need to be slick. Mm -hmm. It just needs to be real mm -hmm. and accessible. And so it's just helped me recognize that there are some things that I've kind of been putting on the back burner that I need to push forward and recognize that a lot of what we need to do to make ourselves visible is not it's not prohibitive. It is not expensive to have a YouTube channel. It's yeah. not. And so yeah. if we don't have it, we're just not, you know, we're just not living in the world that we're living in. And one of the things he said that I thought was really helpful is just like, you know, there's a lot of reasons that we are uncomfortable with engaging people digitally. And certainly it's not to say that the body of Christ will go fully virtual. Mm -hmm. It's not. Of course, Christ is incarnational and we need to be together in our actual physical bodies in real time and space. But we need to meet people where they are, where they are. so that we can draw them to where we believe God is calling us. And, you know, the wonderful thing is that the whole culture is catching on to the fact that we all need IRL relationships. We mm -hmm. need communities and we have something to offer. Now, you know, obviously we have Jesus to offer everyone, but I mean, even secular people will recognize that individuals need community. I mean, for a while there were all these atheist churches springing up because people know you need community. So we can engage people digitally in order to be able to invite people into our physical space and into our real lives. And we need to not turn up our noses that just because we didn't need to be found in cyberspace yeah. that no one needs to be found. And he was saying like, there's a lot of reasons we might be uncomfortable with this and we can, but there's no theological reason mm -hmm. to avoid mm -hmm. connecting with people mm -hmm. in the digital world. There's just none. Yeah. And that is really compelling and convicting to me and makes me realize we need to do that. And also that it's not like, oh my gosh, I need to go, you know, find $30,000 in the church budget to hire a videographer. And he's saying, if you look at YouTube, that the most watched videos I mean, they are just amateur, Somebody homemade, in their house. <laughs> and that's what people are yeah. looking for is, is real life. People actually, I think Christians want a Kanye, but mm. people who are looking for something real and authentic in their lives, mm -hmm. they don't want, they're, they're suspicious and rightly slow, so mm -hmm. of slick, mass-produced, yeah. you know, who's funding that? You're just going to want my money mm. so that you can continue to pay for your mm. lighting show. Sure. And so... You know, all we need to do is be real about who we are and sincerely be ready to invite people in. And and I thought this was helpful. He was saying, you know, a lot of people, he had really interesting stats about, you know, Gen Z and just, you know, that you know, like two in 10 Gen Z people report, you know, being lonely all mm. the time. Or wow. maybe it was five in 10. I don't remember. And he said one in five. I do remember this. One in five say they have no friends. Just no friends. That's, and so he's saying, you know, wow. part of having right expectations for wow. people who we're trying to welcome into community is that a lot of these people are going to be people who do not know yeah. Yeah. how to be friends, how to exist in a community. And we need to not, again, like this is not Jesus sorority rush, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is saying if someone stumbles into our congregation and they don't know how to act and they don't know how to talk and they don't know how to connect, we need to not be like, mm, well, yeah. we need to be saying, how can we take seriously that the Holy Spirit has sent this person here and we can do everything in our power, not to save them or fix them, but to really 
humbly and sincerely try to engage with them um, and to make space in our relationship for the Holy Spirit to show up in in God's relationship. So that was really good. There were other things in the conference (laughs) that were not as good. But very much to his credit, he began and ended his day of speaking by saying, you know, God, whatever is of you, let it stick. And whatever isn't of you, whatever's just me, let it fade away. And you just can't ask for anything fairer than that, right? Yeah. So, But I think you put your your finger on, a, at least for me, the heart issue that the church has to um, uh, consider, embrace, and that is knowing that much of this is not for the church. It's for them, for them, for them. We have to keep saying for them, for them. And that's, at least in my context, in an older, smaller congregation, that's really challenging. Right. We have to not just want, quote, our kind of people. Yes. Close quote. Whatever or, that looks like. Or or to um, build, once again, the, the church of the 80s where we had, you know, the kids going off on mission trips and the mm-hmm. uh, church dinners that were just for us. And, um, and, and, and I know we have a lot of energy that around that we're 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 trying not to simply rebuild the church the way it used to be Mm -hmm. Um, and when it came to our church podcast i remember thinking okay this is not expensive but i really don't have anyone that knows how to do this and so i spent hours watching youtube tutorials about Mm -hmm. how to record and start a podcast and um yeah it it takes it just takes intentionality well, and I think what's helpful for me as a pastor is like, nobody talked about this in seminary. Nobody cared. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, historically, yeah, yeah, yeah. the denominations I've been associated with have have not been excited about evangelism unless mm. it's happening in another country. <laughs> um, like the, the implication was if you're good, you'll get called by a good church and mm-hmm. you will help maintain its goodness. And mm-hmm. so nobody taught us how to do this. And, you know, it can feel like, it can just feel like, oh, I shouldn't, I quote, shouldn't have to do this. Yeah, but I think, yeah. you know, in, in every generation, people have had to take the time to learn how to do things that the previous generation couldn't teach That's them right. how to do. That's and right. so good. this is just what we need to do. And I also think, you know, in terms of thinking about, you know, the presbytery or the organization to which you and I belong, mm-hmm. it would be helpful to have people saying like, hey, hey, do you have a website? If mm-hmm. you don't have a website, this is a big problem that you need to fix yeah. now. Yeah. And, you know, there are resources. Like, we could equip one another with this work and recognize that, you know, uh, uh, it, we get so depressed hearing all these pew statistics about how much the church is dying and how many people just don't know Jesus at all or have just a totally skewed and, frankly, ugly picture of what this life is. But, I mean, the the upside of that, if there is one, is, good Lord, we all have the capacity to grow healthy, thriving, Mm. vibrant Mm. churches, no matter how close our physical proximity might be, because just so many people don't know how good Jesus is. And the gospel is attractive. And so we just need to get out of the way and let the Holy Spirit work. Um, I mean, because we used to be them, right? Like, I just think that's what people need to remember. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I was a them once. Mm -hmm. I was someone who you know, was not raised in a Christian family and a, and a church, you know, through a program at that mm-hmm. time found a way to open. But I mean, whether it was your parents or your grandparents, at one point you were a them yeah. and somebody 
went out of their way mm-hmm. to, you know, someone who was close to God went mm-hmm. out of their way to come to you who were far from God and share the gospel. And we have to be willing to do that too. And ironically, we literally can do it sitting at our desks, watching YouTube videos, figuring out how to make a podcast because that's where connections are being made, not by those who are already in the body of Christ, mm-hmm. but by those who are not. And we need yeah. to do it. Yeah, so. that's good. And what if, as part of our quarterly presbytery meetings, right, we had, we got the content that you got at that conference about mm-hmm. technology and using technology to reach the people around you and, mm-hmm. um, wouldn't that be fantastic? Yep, yep. What are you preaching about? Um, we're still in Philippians, chapter four. Excellent. We're almost almost done with Philippians. That's too bad. This week, <laughs> this week we're looking at uh, the part of the text where Paul says, "Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, yeah. anything can think on these things." Yep. Right, uh, and then right after that, he says, "Whatever you've seen in me, um, um, follow that." And so, both this idea of what you what what you do with your thought life matters, mm-hmm. right? So uh, it matters emotionally, it matters spiritually, it matters in your relationships. So your thinking matters. Uh, but also, um, I think what Paul is getting at um, in that, that second verse, verse uh, 9, um, about whatever you've seen in me, um, imitate that, is that Christianity is, is, is not simply taught but caught. Yeah. And the, the people we... Um, hang out with matter and uh, that, that matters. And uh, if we are going to be the kind of Christians that reach unchurched people, you know what? We need to spend time with them. Let them catch it from us. Right. Not simply try to create uh, some new fantastic program and then put out a banner in front of the church and say, y'all come. No, we go and, and spend time with uh, unchurched people. Well, and I would say also maybe not before, but as we're spending time with unchurched people, we need to be really being intentional about spending lots of time with Jesus. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Beyond our time in corporate worship, mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. whatever Bible study or whatever, just to say, you know, this has to be our the center of our yeah. personal lives or else we, we can't invite anybody into something that we don't have. And so... I think that's a really, you know, for many of us, and we've talked about this before, come up in through mainline congregations, we have just so much equated church life with disciple life mm-hmm. that, you know, mm-hmm. we just need to be able to say there is a there needs to be a part of your relationship with Jesus that is not mediated yeah. through the church, yeah. right? So I'm not saying go off to the woods every Sunday morning and commune with nature and don't, I mean, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, if, if that's all it is, then that's a huge problem. And, and not only because the church can't be Jesus for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, that, yeah, I think that's really good. I am wrapping up our neighboring series and in Romans and trying to. So this means you've done two series. Right? Two two sermon series well, in the midst of my one. <laughs> we just have different philosophies about this, oh, my friend. Wow. I Although I will say, our mutual friend, Lisa Coons, I did a 10 or 12 week sermon series one and she, once and she came to me and was like, that was too long. Don't ever do that again. So <laughs> she clearly, you know her. She hasn't said that to you, but she said that to me. Yikes. So we, we just have a philosophy of wanting to do a new worship series once a month. Um, 
And I'm not. I so you've done three or four. It's not better or worse. It's just different. But it's different. It's different it, yes, ways to. Yes, um, yes. Anyway, we are wrapping up this worship series on neighboring, and this is going to be a um, a passage from Romans, and kind of the big thing of now, what do we do? I just want to be really. We we've done some really, I think, good framing of you know why we have to do this and and how we do it but now i think this is a chance to say you know what does it look like um so this is not my um dominant hand as we would say um and so we'll see um you know and i have not studied the text yet so i don't don't really know where i'm going beyond that but it's just you know just teachings about you know honoring other people more than ourselves and you know loving our our enemies and Mm -hmm. just really there's a way Mm -hmm. that people who follow jesus walk through the world and a set of values that we have because of who our savior is that again are not natural and are not you know we're not going to spontaneously adopt them we just have to sort of say okay i'm going to conform to this in obedience and in trust and then once i do i'll discover you know the life that is in them so anyway talking about them just what what we do, what practical steps we do to love our neighbors. Wow. So that's what we're doing. Practical. Mm. So thanks for listening to this very long ranty podcast. Um, if you want to check us out online, please do. You can search for Derrida Presbyterian Church, Yolanda's Church on Google, and you will get zipped over to their website. Um, and you can check out The Grove at our website, um, which is uh thegrovecharlotte.org and you can listen to the Derida Church podcast on Podbean Um, search for Derida Church and you can hear all of Yolanda's very good sermons on Philippians and if you want to check out um, the messages at The Grove you can search on iTunes for The Grove Charlotte Um, and there I think we've um, come through our our technological snafu so we are updated again so that is good you can find most of them there Um, and of course you can always worship with us in real life at 10 o'clock on Sundays 